0: You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, Here is today's message.
1: Hey, everybody. Um, Ed Stetzer here. And today's message is from Philippians chapter 3. And I love Philippians chapter 3. Actually, I love all of Philippians. But I love Philippians chapter 3. I think you will as well. If you have your Bible, take it out. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read verses one Through 11, verses 1 through 11. That's going to be our focus today. And uh, we're going to talk about righteousness through faith in Christ. Uh, I've entitled this message Religion versus the Gospel. Right? So let's take a look. It says this Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you as no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Um, Look out, for we are the real circumcision who worship that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings and become like him, like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead." This is a fascinating passage and so much we're gonna cover in here that I think you're gonna be encouraged by. Uh, And the big theme is that living for Christ is not the same as being religious. In some ways, it's religion versus faith here. And why would I, as a pastor, say religion is bad? Well, maybe someone invited you to watch today, and maybe you're not quite sure what you think or believe. I actually want to encourage you to just stick with me for a little bit. Matter of fact, if you're watching on one of the platforms like Facebook where you can like or share, um, take a moment and do that and help to invite others here, because I think it's an important topic for us today. And you basically heard a pastor say that religion can be Bad. That's like a guy saying, selling bicycles, saying that that bicycles are bad, right? So what's going on here? What's the whole thing? Well, it's the use of the word religion, and we're going to talk today about religion versus the gospel. Again, okay. <coughs> excuse me, Philippians chapter three, verses one through eleven, is our text, and I want you to know that people use the word religion differently in some ways, right? There's a good way to use religion, right? So uh, James chapter one, verse 27, to use the word religion, religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, mind you, you can't get through this passage um, without though the concern of being blinded by religion, right? I mean, Paul lists his religious merit badges, right? I was the worst Boy Scout ever. Um, and, but, uh, as going through and getting some merit badges, you know, you could earn those up and Paul's like, I got a whole lot of merit badges. I got, I got a whole armful of patches of how religious I was. So religion defined here, if you will, is expectations equal rightness with God, that if I'm good enough, and this is, I will tell you, this is the religion I learned growing up i grew up um floral park and then out levittown and and the 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 conversation that i heard with religion was you know if you do enough good the end of your life the good outweighs the bad that maybe you'll be okay and um you know you'll get to heaven sooner and not suffer longer and it was always a sense of, of just didn't know how much and how long i remember sitting by my grandmother's bedside and i was reading to her she was she was dying and I was reading to her Psalm 23, and she said to me, She said, I just want to make sure I did something like this. I just want to make sure I did enough good to balance out the bad. And I said to her, Grandma, that's that's not that's not how it works. You can trust in rest in Christ. And so religion versus the gospel is, is really a contrast of rules versus rest. It's pride or fear versus humble confidence. It's deserve better or need better versus having security. It, it, in religion, actually Tim Keller famously has said, religion is I obey, uh, therefore I'm accepted. i got to follow the rules and the gods or God or the universe will accept me. Religion is I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel is I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Now this is a long passage, but I wanted to cover it in one Sunday because verses 1 through 11, I think there's a big theme here. And some of you um, engaging with us today don't know the Lord and... And we're so glad you're here, right? Um, don't don't misunderstand. We got nothing but welcome and love for you. Um, but religion can blind us, so we can't see, him. we actually think we gotta work harder and try more. Uh, and but some of us know Christ. Some of us watching know Christ, but we're still in the bondage of religion. And so religion can both blind us from the truth of the gospel, and keep us hindered even when we're followers of Christ. And so so. The reality is, for many Christians, the greatest threat of Christianity is is not the secular world around them. It's not government. It's not secularism. The greatest threat for many people, just understanding the gospel, is their own uh, religious impulse. And here, someone is trying to impose more religion on the church at Philippi, following a set of rules, so I might somehow become right with God. Right. And so, so, so again, there's this real clear contrast that um, that that paul saying no 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 no. someone wants to tell you to follow rules i was the chief rule follower nobody followed the rules better than me remember paul's actually um saul paul was actually a persecutor of the christians paul the christians were afraid of saul because of how with so much zeal he persecuted them and so there's this ongoing idea that paul's pushing against the imposition of religion and the gospel is so much better than religion so stay with me if maybe this is new to you stay with me because i want you to see just a few things as we walk through this text together and the first thing is is that um, religion blinds but jesus brings joy religion binds but jesus brings joy as a matter of fact that's kind of my big theme here religion binds us but jesus brings joy and resurrection and a resurrection in life right so, so religion binds us and blinds us, but Jesus brings joy and a resurrected life, right? So let's take a look at where where it unpacks this a little bit more, right? So here's where we go. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Recurring theme throughout the book of Philippians, rejoice. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like, um some sermons, right? He he literally says in chapter three, well, let's take a look again. He says, finally. Now you know that he's got more to go, right? We're halfway through-ish, kind of, right? So then he says, finally. So this maybe is like an Ed Stetzer sermon. I often say, in conclusion. And what does it mean when Ed Stetzer says in conclusion? Absolutely nothing. But he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and then he kind of gets right to the people who are trying to apply the rules. To make people right with God. He says, um, rejoice in the Lord to write you the same things as no trouble. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, what's going on here? Now, that just, just a minute, he actually says a strange phrase. He says, we are the circumcision. I'm going to get to that in, in just a moment. It's a strange phrase, but I'm going to explain it in just a moment. So people still do this today. All kinds of people are trying to impose religious rules. Right. And I just want to say, I'm sorry if someone invited you today and someone has uh, imposed religious rules on you as if this is what it meant to be a Christian um, and said, if you just do these things, then God won't be mad at you. And I want you to know that's not, that's not the gospel. Right. So um, it's interesting too, by the way, if if you look again, he goes from rejoice in the Lord, says it's not a problem to write you. And then he says, look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers. Now, it's interesting. Why these things, right? Look out for the dogs. Because um, <laughs> religious people like to make themselves miserable often and then make everyone else miserable. Um, and and I, I guess I would say, like, like Paul does, look out for the dogs. Don't be fooled. Beware of these things. Warren Rearsby put it this way. A woman was arguing with her pastor about this matter of faith and works. And I think getting to heaven is like rowing a boat, she said. One or is faith, the other is works. If you use both, you get there. If you use only one, you go around in circles. Um, and 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 Weersby said, there, there's only one thing wrong with your illustration. Nobody's getting to heaven in a rowboat. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. It's not a question of how much faith I have and if I have enough works to kind of prove something. What's happening here is people are communicating to the Church of Philippi that they have to follow certain rules and Paul uses strong language uh, and particularly they're communicating that circumcision is necessary for faith in Christ and that seems like it's such a strange thing today but remember that the um, people of God the people of Israel they, they, um, that circumcision was a, a mark of that they were set apart for God now um, if you don't know what circumcision is, um, I, you could ask your parents. Um, but uh, circumcision is this mark that would set them apart. And there were these rules, so they had to follow these rules. So so to become a Christian, they would have to follow the Jewish rules. They were All the early disciples were Jewish Christians. Until later, they became others Gentiles as well. Um, and, and, and still today, people want to impose rules. You can become a Christian, but you got to cut your hair. You can become a Christian but you got to vote a certain way. You can become a Christian and you have all these rules that people want to put on you and really you don't become a Christian by what you do. You become a Christian because you receive what Christ has done for you on your behalf, right? It's not you, right? It says this, he saved us in Titus 3:5, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So how can they say these rules are necessary, right? So so where do these rules even come from in the first place? Well, those laws were given in many ways to help us to see, though, what was forth to come, what was to come, that we couldn't keep these rules. It kind of instructed us that we couldn't keep these rules. Now, it did set them apart as the people of God and taught them that they can't live up to all the rules that were there right so so Jesus actually puts it this way he says don't think i came to abolish the law or the prophets all those rules and laws i i have come i have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them so in christ it's not jesus plus circumcision which i know seems like a strange thing today but let's put them in ways that maybe people today put it right so it's not jesus plus baptism nope it's not jesus plus what you wear to church nope it's not jesus plus how you vote nope it's not jesus plus you got to speak in tongues nope it's not jesus plus you got to be a calvinist jesus plus you got to be a dispensational it's not jesus plus no it's 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 jesus and um he's i mean think of the dog is a doggy a dog then is um we think of dogs as cute pets i have my daughters have dogs, I should say, and I don't like, um, I know some of you are dog lovers, so I won't say it, I won't say it, but they're my, do- my daughters love their dogs. But back then, most people, and even today in a lot of the Middle Eastern world, people don't think of dogs as pets at all. Dogs are like unclean, flea-bitten, nasty dogs, and Paul uses strong words because they're destroying others' faith. Beware of the dogs. They're evildoers, and their circumcision is just mutilating the flesh. Now, here's the thing. Paul's literally about to say, we are the circumcision. How are we the circumcision? Right? Uh, Because Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus paid all the law's penalties. Jesus fulfilled all the law's qualifications. Jesus is the fulfillment. And thus, beware the dogs. Beware those who seek to mutilate the flesh. Beware those who try to add things. It's Jesus' plus nothing i receive the only thing i bring to my salvation is my sin that jesus pays for so we first look at and we start there right because we want to not miss the strong words here religion blinds but jesus brings joy So the whole passage starts with rejoice and then goes into the warnings and the cautions. so let's go now to number two in our outline is that religion boasts but jesus brings humble boldness remember the big theme religion blinds us, but Jesus brings joy and a resurrected life, right? So, um, so let's, again, take a look back, uh, at the passage. Let's look a little more closely here, um, in how religion boasts. And literally Paul's going to show us that by, well, some, some boasting here. Let's take a look. It says this in verses three through six, for we are the circumcision. I know that's so strange, right? Um, that's not a phrase we use today. I don't want you to get like t-shirts that we are the circumcision, right? Have people wear it around and say, you know, we're free in Christ. We our hearts have been circumcised. No, nope. but there's a whole context here that it is important that we know what that means. We just might not lead with that. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that those rules that the people of God followed in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Christ. So now Paul says we are the circumcision. Okay, strange. Probably you've never heard that conversation before, unless you've had through this verse in church. So Paul says, We are the circumcision, right? Who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So whatever you do to clean up to get to Jesus isn't gonna get you cleaned up to get to Jesus. It's like clean it up to take a bath. No, I mean ultimately you come to him just as you are. Famous song, right? One of the persons who's preached at our church many, many years ago, Billy Graham, would end his meetings with just as I am without one plea, right? That's us right here. So I put no confidence in the flesh to come just as I am. But then just in case you wondered who Paul was, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, listen, it's not bragging if it's true, right? So Paul's true. It's true that Paul's got Lots of reason to brag on confidence in the flesh. Remember, he's a persecutor of the Christians. He was a Pharisee. That, well, let's, let me read the text. It says it right here. If anyone thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. That was, that's the rule for Jewish, Jewish children even today. Of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, Blameless. But and he goes on. So, so so I don't want you to miss this, right? So we get a very clear sense that Paul's saying, if anyone could boast, I could boast, and I don't boast. Because we are the circumcision, not because of a physical act, but because of what God has done in and through Christ. So Paul rolls out a pedigree and makes a point. Uh, those religious people who are kind of ragging about their religious identity, religious people love to brag. They love to brag. Uh, He's got, I got more to brag than any of them, he says. And compared to Christ, they are nothing. Paul goes actually from generic to specific here. It's pretty neat to watch. I was circumcised like all male Jews, if that weren't enough. Uh, I, I, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm of Israel, not a, not a convert or a proselyte. if that weren't enough. I'm of Benjamin tribe, Benjamin's tribe, Jacob's baby, if that weren't enough. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, if that weren't enough. I'm a Pharisee. If that weren't enough, I went farther. I persecuted the church. If that weren't enough, no one can compare to me their level of blamelessness. If religion is the goal, I'm the king of the mountain. And indeed, we are the circumcision takes on a greater meaning. All those rules don't accomplish a right relationship with God through Christ. Now, contrast of circumcision, our hearts are circumcised. Strange phrase, phrase used in the Bible but we are the circumcision because our hearts have been circumcised. We're not the circumcision because we've kept the rules and are proud or because we kept the rules and are afraid. Uh, We have done uh, not what we have done, but what Jesus has done. So circumcision, right, is a picture of the heart in the New Testament transformed by the gospel. And the joy of Jesus being gained is the joy of the gospel message, right? We have been supplied God's grace and now we have the confidence to approach God's throne with boldness humble confidence we're free from religion the trappings of self-worth or pride or despair that comes with our identity being wrapped up in what we do or say or think religion leads us to have confidence in what we have done but the gospel causes us to put confidence in what God has done right so don't miss this right it's a beautiful thing and um religious people often are prideful people because they ultimately look to themselves as having accomplished what only god can accomplish look at this fascinating passage using uh, jesus clear words here two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee the other a tax collector tax collectors bad the pharisees and pharisees would be super good i know we tend to see pharisees as bad today but pharisees super good then so the pharisee standing by himself prayed thus god I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, right? But the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So who does ultimately, (laughs) who ultimately is going to be received by God through Christ. Well, it's the one who's repentant, not the one who's proud, proud or rule-following. Here's the reality: you got to embrace the failure of your own ability to find your way to God. When I was in college, I, um, I had a really bad semester. Um, I could give you the, all the reasons for it. One of them was a tragedy in my family, and I was failing a class in college. And um, I came to my professor, it was a biology class, and I came to my professor. My professor's name was Dr. Fail. Isn't that crazy, F-A-L-E, but Dr. Fail. I'd like to have a professor named Dr. Fail. That was his actual name. So I came to him and I said, Dr. Fail, um, I've really fallen behind. I talked about a family struggle. And I said, is there anything that I can do to pass this class? And I was prepared to do anything. I would have worked nights, done extra credit. That's what I kind of expected. And he said to me, Ed, There's nothing you can do to pass this class. (laughs) I will tell you, um, it was a little jarring at first, and then I found it remarkably freeing. Um, Can I just tell you, there's nothing you can do to pass the righteousness of God test on your own. Be freed by that. Be be freed by that because um, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and in your place. We've been supplied by God's with God's grace, right? With the joy of, of, of Jesus being gained is the joy of the gospel message uh, supplied with God's grace. And now we have the confidence, humble confidence, a boldness that comes ultimately because we're not trying to follow religion because religion is never enough. Religion brings bondage, but Jesus brings joy and gives us that humble confidence. Now, here's the thing. Legalism still slips in. And we still have to work and speak and stand against legalism. It's not just something that happens when we trust Christ. So that may be where you are right now. You may be saying, man, I, I thought maybe I'm watching Calvary because I think i got to turn over to Leaf. I mean, it's a hard time. I've got to get some religion in my life. And I want to tell you that we're not inviting you to get religion in your life. We want you to meet Jesus. And, but when you follow Jesus, we don't want you to get caught up later with legalistic rules either. Um, I love um, Chuck Swindoll's comments on um, legalism. He was having an interview with Howard Hendricks, and here's what he, uh, Chuck Swindoll said. I'm going to quote Chuck Swindoll here. The problem with legalists is that not enough people have confronted them and told them to get lost, Chuck Swindoll says. These are strong words, but I don't mess with legalism anymore. I'm 72 years old. What have I got to lose? Seriously, I used to kowtow legalists, but they're dangerous. They're grace killers. They'll drive off every new Christian you bring to church, They're enemies of the faith. Other than that, I don't have any opinion. Now, I don't want you to miss this. He says, so if I'm trying to force my personal list of no-nos on you and make you feel guilty about if you don't join me, then I'm out of line and I need to be told that. Now, I don't want you to miss this, right? So there is a clear sense that there are things that will grow in Christ and will look to the word of God and be guided by the Holy Spirit to change in our lives. But there are people who think it's their job to impose those things on us And ultimately, what we find here is that not only are they going to not work our way into heaven, but as we follow Jesus, imposing new rules of legalism doesn't ultimately help people to know and walk in grace any better either. Remember, religion blinds us, but Jesus brings joy and the resurrected life. Religion blinds us, but Jesus brings joy and the resurrected life. Need to get to number three. We want to run out of time here. Um, Religion... um, breaks us, but Jesus brings true freedom. Religion breaks us, but Jesus brings true freedom. It goes on in the text and says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Powerful words here because Paul realizes all that religious stuff didn't accomplish anything. But we have Jesus, the ultimate gift, right? The ultimate engagement of our souls that has changed us into being born again, a new life in Christ. Heaven ultimately to be united with him one day. And when you get what grace is, you'll look back and grieve the years you lived under the bondage of religion and ultimately didn't know the grace that was in Jesus. Now, again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say to you that I want to invite you to hear the good news of the gospel. Listen, Listen to these very words that speak of the gospel. It says this, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the spirit and if you're not a follower of Jesus today this is for you it's for me too as a follower of Jesus but he suffered for your sins why don't you quit trying to heap suffering on yourself trying to crawl your way to God thinking that somehow by your own religious practice you'll somehow make the God of all the universe think you're good enough for him listen he knew you weren't good enough for him so he sent Jesus suffered for your sins the righteous for the unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So here's the deal. Stop trying to get to God on your own and realize that God sent Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Number four and, and finally, right, to use that passage, the, the phrase, number four and finally, uh, religion brings self-righteousness, but Jesus brings a resurrection life. And the whole theme throughout this message has been that um, religion blinds us, but Jesus brings joy and the resurrected life. Let's talk about this resurrection life, right? Here's what it says in the passage. and, And I love the language here. It's so powerful. It says to be found in him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That righteousness is just not worth having, but that which comes through faith in Christ. You want righteousness? It's not by your religious practices by what Jesus has done. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith you receive by grace and through faith. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Righteousness, right? Right standing before God, being in the right place. It's such an important thing. It's the difference between doing work for God uh, and being found in God. I'm going to do this work so God will be happy with me. And instead, I'm found in him. Right? Listen to the phrase again, being found in him. That's where I want you to be found. And if you are not there now, I want to invite you to receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. I want to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to walk in the fullness of that grace, right? Don't miss this, because when you walk in the fullness of the grace, you can never ultimately be religious enough for your own righteousness. You'll always fail. This is the beauty and tragedy of the gospel. The gospel shapes us because the gospel makes us. You can't do this on your own, right? So grace is hard sometimes for us to realize, but that's what it takes, right? That that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Share in the, his sufferings. Become like him in death. That's ultimately his grace leads us to a different way and to a better way. So I want to say to you, um, before we finish today, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just say one more time? Uh, and maybe somebody shared this with you, right? Maybe someone share this after we were live on Sunday and you've got questions. Well, we're here for you. There's a number at the Calvary website. There's, there's resources we can share with you. Um, we're not a bunch of religious people who figured out that religion's good for us. We're a bunch of people who are sinners needed Jesus and we received because he died on the cross for our sin and in our place. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you in just a moment. I'm going to actually pray. I'm going to invite you to pray with me to receive um, the good news of the gospel into your heart and life. If you are a follower of Jesus, remember Paul's writing this to followers of Jesus, but where are the dogs? Beware of religious people who want to impose rules on you that are not in the Bible to weigh you down. Follow Jesus. Be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Look to the Word of God. Grow in faith and holiness. But ultimately, don't let ourselves take up a yoke, take up a religious practice again, thinking somehow God's going to be mad at us if we don't do enough, try enough, work hard long enough. So this is message, the good news of the gospel is good news to the person who doesn't know Christ and to the person who does know Christ. And this passage points to the reality of what it means to find the true gospel, not religion, but the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you today and we ask for your grace to be evident in our lives. Father, I pray for those who may not know you. And Father, I pray that even now that you might be speaking to the hearts of people who are not sure or sure they're not followers of Jesus. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, if that's you, I want you to know other people are praying for you literally right now. But if that's you, I want to invite you to receive by grace and through faith. And you can pray this prayer with me if it's a prayer of your heart. You can say, oh, Lord Jesus, just silently voice it to the Lord or out loud where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, if it's a prayer of your heart, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for trying to do it my way. I confess my sin to you. I turn from my ways. I forsake my religious plans, my self-righteous goals. And I receive the eternal life you have given me. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those who just prayed that prayer that you might indeed as you take up residence in their heart and lives by teach them to walk in this grace. Even as we've talked through Philippians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, not putting back on a yoke of legalism or works, but walking in the knowledge of the gospel and the beauty of that grace. Father, I pray for all of us as followers of Jesus that we might too live that way. We might live in light of that grace. We might beware of those who wanna impose religious rules and instead we might walk in the grace of the, the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen
0: Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary For more information To connect, make a prayer request Or make a contribution Go to our website at www.cbcnyc.org Or call us at 212-975-0170 We hope you'll join us next time As we continue To Tell It From Calvary